Hello and welcome to the Stage Spot Podcast, a place where we talk to performers, creatives and fans about all things theatre. Hosted by Tim Talks Theatre's founder, Tim Todd. Hello and welcome to the Tim Talks Theatre Podcast, Ed Fringe Series. In this series, I'm going to be talking to various cast and creatives about their upcoming trip to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Enjoy. Yes, I am Erin Murray Quinlan, and I am the producer and writer and actor and everything else -er for Tawny Dog Productions, um, and we're putting on Brain Hemingway at the Fringe. Perfect. And would you be able to tell us two truths and one lie about yourself? Oh, about myself. Okay. Um, all right. I'm trying. <laughs> this is really hard. Okay. Um, I... I am an amateur beekeeper. I do not have my driver's license. And I once sang the national anthem at Yankees Stadium. Uh, and would you be able to describe your show in... 23 words i know it's a random amount 23 okay (laughs) um all right we're gonna we're gonna find out um a blocked playwright um with a deadline is haunted by the um subject of her last flop ernest hemingway who is an american author jerk brilliant thank you is this a, I, I was spending last night trying to think of some questions that were <laughs> not not like the normal interview questions, but sort of different. Mm-hmm. These are definitely new questions. <laughs> um, so uh, I can't read my writing. How embarrassing! So, what are your plans to get um, ticket sales like for? Um, like flyering, social media, and stuff like that. Um, so I guess it's it's really just um do, doing whatever we can. We've had really good pre-sales, which is nice. Um, and then when we get there, it's kind of just hit the ground running and flyering and trying to uh, network. Uh, which is you know that's the whole experience of the fringe, just as much as it is about putting on your show. It's about kind of flogging your show. Um, so it's all kind of fun, part of the fun. That's perfect. Yeah, it's um, there's so much different different things that you need to do, and and so and who will you miss while you're away from home? Uh, I have a lot of animals. Um, I've got two dogs and a cat and five budgies, oh, wow. um, and several fish and some snails. So um, I will definitely be missing all of them. Oh wow. So when when you're um, 
all the way in um, Edinburgh. Um, what are you looking forward to, to doing, like outside of the French, so to speak? Um, I love Edinburgh, so I'm really excited to just be there. Um, I'm excited for uh, the meal deal situation because here, when you get a um, a sandwich at a grocery store, just the quality isn't nearly as good as if you get it at a Sainsbury's or an M&S. So I look forward to those sandwiches. Um, we're also hoping to um, to take a drive out and maybe get murdered in a in a boffy or something. Um, do do a little extracurricular stuff. That's brilliant. Yeah, um, I went to Edinburgh a while ago, and like probably about 15, 20 years ago. So it's quite a while ago. So it's probably changed massively. Probably, yeah. It's it's such a, well, probably not the old city, but um, definitely the new city. There, there are always things, um, always new buildings and new restaurants, and it's very, very live place. Yeah, this is a bit of a different question now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to take over programming of a venue at the Fringe, what would you put on, say, like, at the Pleasant? So if it was your venue you and you could, like, put any show you, shows you want on there, what would you choose? Oh, boy. Um, I think that the most important thing for me would be... Um, making sure that it's really accessible for everybody. And I don't just mean accessible as far as making sure everybody can see it and can enjoy the theater um, for whatever it is, but also that there are companies that are able to put on their shows cheaply. Um, maybe it would include uh, housing, uh, you know, easier housing, um, just because there, there are so many wonderful um, companies that every year have have a smaller and smaller chance of being able to take something up because it's so prohibitively expensive um so i think if i were running the pleasance that would that would be what would bring me the most joy to make sure that every type of um of company can bring something up yeah it does seem so expensive i haven't even looked at like accommodation but i see i've had a look on the website, it just seems like near, near. But so you could put it seems that expensive. You could probably, with the money you're spending, probably get the show in a small like West End theatre or something, like for a night. If you yeah, know right, oh absolutely, absolutely, and um, you know, and also because. You know, there, there are a lot of questions about, is it worth taking something to the fringe anymore? Because our reviewers going up, our producers going up, um, I guess there, there is a question about that. Um, you know, where, who, who is looking for stuff up at the fringe? Um, but when you take that stuff away from it, you know, the community is still there and the joy is still there. So um, it's a complex time for the fringe for sure, I think. Yeah, I know a number of um, um, other bloggers are going up. I, I, I'm not available, so I can't really go up this year. Maybe next year. But, um, yeah, there's still some reviews that, that are going up, I think, if I remember rightly from what I... Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, um, when, it, when I say, uh, you know, reviewers, I think it's really more of 
with with the goal of bringing something back down to London or um, something being on tour. I think it's it, yeah, it's just in a very uh, transitiony sort of place from what I understand. But it's nice to see all of the you know there's fringe biscuit and there's fringe mag and there's the we review and there's um you know the derek awards and it's always nice to to see those kind of stalwarts it's very comforting yeah uh, um I, I just think it's absolutely brilliant that there's that reviews that can go up because it is a way to um grow the audience for a show like look at like choir of man or six or the play mm -hmm. that goes wrong because they all started in that right way and now they're doing absolutely amazingly like yeah yeah it's um it's always nice when when you know the cream floats to the top when you see something that really deserves to have that bigger audience and then they're able to achieve it Uh, yeah, um, why, why should the audience go and see your show? Ooh, good question. <laughs> this is this is always the hard bits for me because I'm not good at I'm not good at pumping things up. But um, I think what was really nice, this is our second year taking this show. And what was really nice about it last year is the that I think people got a lot of catharsis from it. It's a show about it's a show about creating, but it's also mostly a show about second guessing yourself and um, and depression and anxiety and how those affect the creative process. Um, and I think especially with the first fringe after COVID, um, I think a lot of people were feeling that same way. Um, and it was so nice to have that sort of communal validation where you're you're all of a sudden in, in a room full of people who are saying, oh, no, you're not the only person who felt that way. We felt that way, too. Um, and so I think if if anyone's ever had a, a moment of kind of hating themselves <laughs> or hating their work, I know personally I will write something and for a split second think it's great and then hate it for the rest of my life. Um, I think it's it's a really good show for people who have felt that way. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like um, coming out of COVID for the theatre industry. The they've been really been given a rough deal, which is such a shame. It is, and I think um, you know, you're seeing it with um the the strikes that are going on right now, um over over COVID. You know, a lot of what I what I would classify as the wrong people were the ones who were making a lot of money. Um, and, you know, creators were really getting a bit shafted, you know, getting the, the bad end of the stick. And that's all coming to a head, I think, um, in, in these years following now that now that everything's kind of back open and we're feeling more confident about where things are headed. Now we're kind of realizing, I guess, what we were willing to transpire during that time yeah it's like the industry is a lot better than it was say a year ago but like shows are still closing which is such a shame mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh what what's your you said last year you went to the fringe 
what was your favorite memory from from it oh my gosh there are so many it was just such a delightful time sorry um I think you know there were a few shows where we had really small audiences and at first that can be kind of daunting um but they ended up being really fun uh kind of intimate shows and I I ended up really liking those ones not to say that I I will be seeking out smaller audiences for the sake of of um, redoing that but that that's kind of the fun thing about the fringe you have to be kind of scrappy and you have to roll with the punches and that's really good for theater I think when when you have those moments of oh no what am I supposed to do in that um you're able to be at your most creative and you're able to come up with solutions that you wouldn't have otherwise um and those really small shows were were really good for I guess creative growth as far as um the performances were concerned yeah it's uh, I, I just think it's sort of um I've lost my train of thought completely <laughs> Yeah, I've completely lost my train of thought. Oh dear. Sorry. That happens to me all the time. Um I'm gonna swear a segue into the next question because I thought Go for it. Uh so what are your tips for surviving the fringe, would you say? Um, I think the biggest one, uh the one that I I find most helpful is just to kind of have realistic expectations um you're you know that the average audience last year i think was five people um and then sometimes you're gonna have a show where there's nobody and you don't end up having a show um and if you can kind of figure what you know what is classified as a small victory what is classified as a large victory within the context of the fringe um, and then you devote your, yourself and your time to kind of meeting new people and seeing new theater and, um, you know, giving people flyers and stuff. If, if that's your version of a good fringe, then you're going to have a good fringe. If you go thinking, I'm not going to be happy unless I sell out every show um, and, you know, end up winning all of these awards, I don't think you're going to have that good of a time. I, I hope that happens to people because that's wonderful. But you have the best time when you know what the the spirit of the fringe is. Uh, yeah, I completely understand. It's just sort of like there's no shows at all, even in London or on tour, that fully sell out all the time. It's just like one of those things that I'm, that's never go, going to happen. So if you say oh, if I get X amount of seats, I'm, I'm happy, even though it might not be at full capacity. Sure, even, you know, going going for the average, um, that's really um, exciting when you know that you're at least doing what what is expected. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it must be really exciting to feel, oh, somebody's actually bought a ticket for my show. That must feel absolutely amazing. It does. It does. And when, you know, we've been seeing a lot of pre-sales, which is not something that we saw last year. So that's been really thrilling. Um, And then you have to remember, oh God, why do they have a ticket? And what do I have to do 
to make this worth their time and then you have to stop thinking about it. <clears throat> so, um, I've, I've asked this to every guest so far. Um, I, I listened to the diary of the CEO and each guest asks the next guest a question. So what would your question be to the, my next guest? Okay. Um, my question for your next Do I get to know who your next guest is? No, I don't get to know. I, I can't even remember. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. My question for your next guest. How is this, how is your piece of work that you're bringing to the fringe, um, has it changed to accommodate that space? So if you've performed your show before, how have you changed your show for the fringe? And if you haven't done it before, um, how, how have you kept the fringe in mind for it? That sounds really good. It's yeah, every every show's sort of different, isn't it? Like like sometimes you change like references and stuff like that. So yeah. That'll be mm -hmm. I'll look forward to asking that question. <laughs> because it, it's been really eye opening because I've never actually been to the fringe and I only started um this about less than a year ago so it's really eye-opening yeah and i don't i just think i can't remember what i was going to say my <laughs> yeah it's, an, uh, it's 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 like nothing else in the world every every building is a theater all of a sudden and um yeah it's it's just there's something really magical about it this is um, not a question I prepared, this is what I've thought of. Um, where would your dream place to be like to perform your show anywhere in the UK? Oh, the National. National Theatre London, 100%. Well, hopefully it, it can happen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that would be nice. Maybe I don't think I don't think this show would be appropriate for it, but who who knows? I'm not going to limit myself. Sure, if the if the National Theatre says, "Hey, Aaron, come bring your show here," I'm not going to say no. Definitely not. No, it, it's a sort of it's another sort of mi milestone, isn't it? Really, it's just it's one of those. See, my day job isn't really exciting, but to a degree, but mm -hmm. theatre is exciting. Because there's yeah. always, always something different. Yeah, yeah, and um, there especially there's something really special about um, UK theater uh, when I compare it to American theater. Um, you know, be, because of the the pantomime scene at Christmas time, you know, you, there are so many up to date, really high. Um, capacity theaters everywhere. I mean, I saw a Broadway level show in Woking once, and that's just not something we have here. Um, so the access to really good theater um, in the UK is something that I find really aspirational. 
yeah, I, I've never been to New York yet. I do plan to go, but yeah. And and yeah. Broadway's, I mean, Broadway's amazing. Off Broadway's amazing. Off Off Broadway's amazing. Um, it's it's increasingly like Disney World, um, Broadway, just because not not just because of the the shows, which are all Disney shows, but uh, just as far as you know, it's it's kind of you go to New York, you see the Statue of Liberty, you see a Broadway show you spend a ridiculous amount of money. Um, it's, it feels less about, you know, kind of the theater experience to me. Uh, and when I go to the West End, it's so much easier to get a good seat for less money. Um, and usually a, a, a higher quality show that isn't all about kind of bells and whistles. Uh, I, I agree. Um, like West End, I nearly know my way around. So I don't. I just think with this is my opinion on New York. Everything seems a lot bigger, but not necessarily necessarily better. I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to find more about me, follow me on all social media at Tim Talks Theatre. Uh, visit TimTalksTheatre.co.uk for such podcast. Or if you want to learn more about the shows I've interviewed, go to tintalktheatre.co.uk forward slash edfringe thank you for listening I hope you I hope you enjoyed the podcast don't forget to share it with your friends and family thank you thank you for listening to the stage spot podcast you can find Tim Talk Theatre on social media we're on Instagram TikTok Facebook YouTube and Twitter which is now called X. You can also visit our website, timtalkstheatre.co.uk, or you can send me an email, timtalkstheatre at gmail.com.